Hey everyone, welcome to the Revive West Des Moines podcast. I'm Jamie Richards, the Young Adult Minister at Hope West Des Moines. What you are about to hear is the live recording from Revive West Des Moines this past week. We hope you can connect with God and the good life that God has for you through what you hear in this message. Give it a listen. Well, hello everyone and welcome to Revive tonight. It feels good in this room tonight, doesn't it? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, this is awesome. Uh, Thank you so much for being here. There are so many young adults here. This is super exciting. I see a lot of new faces as well. And so we just want you to know how grateful we are that you have chosen to be here tonight and we're so excited to be here with you. So my name is Jamie and I'm the Revive Young Adult Minister here at Hope's West Des Moines campus. And I'm so excited for all of you to meet my good friend, Tracy. Everybody say hi, Tracy. Hi, Tracy. Uh, Hi. Tracy, thanks for being here tonight. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. Yes. So Tracy, will you tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe where you work, and whatever you want to say about that? I work at a place you guys might have heard of it. It's called Hope. Um, (laughs) So my name is Tracy Kennedy, and I have five little kids at home. My first experience at Hope was actually in this room. I came to, it was called Immersion at the time. So I'm a lot older than all of you. And um, yeah, I actually work at Hope at the location in Grimes. I was on staff at Waukee for a while, and I love Hope. I've been around here since about 2009. Awesome. I remember one time you came into a class on Friday night that we were doing together, and you were like, I have so many children. That's right. That's right. That's that's how I got into ministry. I'm like, how can I be away, and Jesus will like it? (laughs) So that's what I did. (laughs) Uh, Tracy, just, um, I'm wondering if you can continue to just tell us one more thing about yourself, uh, just as people get to know you a little bit. What is the last show that you binged and watched and loved? <sighs> okay, I love this so much. I am, I am a horrible creature of habit where I will watch the same series a thousand times, and the one that I've been on <laughs> for a very long time now is New Girl. Anyone else? Jessica Day fills my bucket, and Schmidt is my world. It's so good. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. So Tracy and I are going to be kind of co-speaking tonight, but really rather than like a super formal prepared message with a bunch of slides, this is going to be kind of podcast style, and you're here for our live podcast recording. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tracy and I are good friends. Uh, we hadn't really talked much over the summer because you had a lot going on, mm-hmm. which we'll kind of talk about tonight. Yes. And then reconnected really recently when I felt like I wanted you to speak about this. And uh, we're just going to have kind of a, a conversation, and I'm really excited. So am I. <laughs> I'm really excited. Yes. So just a brief review of where we've been. We are in one of the last weeks of this series called Awakening, and it's all about the ways that God awakens us to God's spirit and presence with us, um, and the presence of Jesus Christ with us through the power of the Holy Spirit, and just all of the different dynamics of what that might look like when God gets a hold of us and awakens us to what God is doing around us and in us, and really all of that, if you just boil all that down, it's about the love of Jesus for you and for me, and when God awakens us to, uh, wake, awakens us to that, the power that comes with just 
being present in God's love for us. And so um, we are now in one of the last weeks of this series. Tonight we're talking about joy. We started the series talking about presence, the presence of God. Then we talked about prayer. Then we talked about mission. Last week we talked about justice. Tonight we're talking about joy. And then next week is kind of a wrap up of the whole series with a really special worship night, which I really hope you can uh, be here for. So that's kind of where we've been. And tonight when we talk about joy, we wanted to make sure that we talk about um, and mention at the beginning that we're not talking about happiness. Happiness and joy are very different, and sometimes they seem really similar, but happiness generally is a result of circumstances, whereas joy is not a result of circumstances. We've been talking a lot this year at Revive about how the fruits of the Spirit, which is something that are listed in Scripture about the fruit of what happens when God's Spirit shows up. And the fruits of the Spirit are, you can say them with me if you want to. The fruits of the Spirit are things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Wow, that was really you guys, awesome. It's like children's ministry all <laughs> over again. That was so good. That was so good. So when God's Spirit shows up, things like joy come with it. And what that means is we can be in circumstances where we shouldn't have love or shouldn't have joy, but yet we do because it is a gift of God's presence with us. So we wanted to make that distinction tonight because we're going to talk about some difficult things. And we're not talking about happiness when we talk about difficult things. We're talking about the gift of God's Spirit when God awakens us to what God is doing in us that often looks like joy in things that Um, in terrible circumstances where we shouldn't be able to feel things like joy. Um, And so in the Bible reading for tonight, it comes from this beautiful section of scripture, John uh, chapter 15. It's the last night of Jesus's life. Jesus knows that some really difficult things are about to happen in Jesus' life. And he's speaking to his disciples kind of like last minute, long, three chapter long monologue of things Jesus wanted his disciples to know. And says things like, when you obey my commands, you remain in my love, which the command is love God, love self, love neighbor. When you obey my commands, you remain in my love. I have told you these things so that you may be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. And then skipping a couple verses down. um, Oh man, I wrote down the wrong verse. Basically, there's a verse that talks about uh, Jesus make, oh no, I'm looking at the wrong chapter. Here we go. Uh, (laughs) No judgment. Yeah, right. Um, I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. So that part about lasting fruit, that the fruits of the Spirit, when God's presence brings them to us and we are awakened to them, they're not just a temporary thing. Like the goal is for these gifts of the Spirit, these fruits of the Spirit to become lasting fruit that stay regardless of circumstances. Yeah. Uh, You want to say a little bit more about the fruit? Yeah, about the fruit. So fruit starts with what? A? An apple (laughs) apple. is a fruit. Can you tell him in children's ministry? I like you answering me. A fruit starts with a seed, right? And so a seed, you have to plant it. It doesn't start as the pretty fruit that feeds you. It starts as a seed. And uh, we need lots of things for seeds to grow. But one thing that really helps them grow fast, manure. Oh, nuts. So like, yeah, the crap in life, right? Like God gives us these seeds and they're beautiful and a gift for us and tough stuff can come. And it's not like the tough stuff is from God, but God created these gifts in such a way that the tough stuff actually makes it bigger, stronger, and more lasting. Like if you, does anyone garden? 
Yeah, so gardening is something I recently <laughs> took up and I had to read about it because I knew nothing, you guys, and I have a history of killing all the things, <laughs> except my kids, they're alive. <laughs> but the fruit and all of the things I plant usually die, so I had to study this this past summer and I learned when you start a seedling like in your house when you live in Iowa and you have to start it early, you're supposed to put a fan on it because if you don't like make it produce like wind and you make that plant strong, its roots won't grow down deep. And so it won't actually become a great fruit producer because it doesn't have strong roots. And so it's like a picture of the storms in life, right? They, they come and they make us feel like we're gonna blow over, but God created us and these gifts and his love in such a way that all of that actually grows our roots down deeper and gives us this lasting fruit that we actually get to, to preach Jesus just by living our lives through those moments. Yeah. Yeah. So Jesus, in that same monologue, just a couple uh, chapters later, well, in the chapter that I was starting to read when I was in the wrong place, uh, Jesus is telling his disciples, you are going to have trouble in this world Jesus says, I have told you all these things so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. You will have trials. There will be fans that will blow on your life and your roots will be forced to grow down deep and that's gonna suck. But I want you to know, take heart because I have overcome all of these things that are awful and terrible. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm here to bring you peace in the middle of them. Yeah, and that, that verse specifically, so interesting, Jamie had picked, you know, John 15, those verses that we read before, before we had even talked kind of about this, and this verse from John 16 right after that has been this foothold for me for the past nine months of my life. Um, you know, I've been, I've, I came to know Jesus late in my life in 2009, immediately came to hope and it has been awesome. And when Jesus stole my heart, I just ran after him and cultivated this heart that would just, yes, God, I want all of that fruit. Yes. And said yes to him and had this heart on fire for God. And then, uh, in February of this, this year, um, my world got rocked. I got a phone call the night before Thanksgiving um, in the evening saying my little brother had a seizure. Um, my little brother had never had a seizure before and I knew it was bad and I had this relationship with Jesus, right? Like we need to cling to that in those moments and so I hit my knees and I prayed and I contacted everyone that I know would pray and um, a few hours later I got another call saying you, know, you need to sit down and uh, during one of your brother's seizures he coded and that means they lost him for a while. And they had a strong pulse back, but I needed to get there. So I threw all my stuff in, in a bag and jumped in a car and drove from midnight until five in the morning by myself. And I did all the things my heart on fire for God knew to do. And I sang every worship song that was written on my heart. I sang Raise a Hallelujah. You know, like all the songs were like, I, I see the enemy right in my face and I don't care because I know my God's big. And I sang them. And we prayed. I mean, people from Hope were calling and praying over my brother. And I continued to pray and sing as I held his feet and I watched him take his last breath. And I watched my sister-in-law kiss him for the last time. And it felt like my heart went from a heart on fire for God to a heart under fire. It just felt like a blowtorch came to eat all of it. And those are the kind of storms that come and the kind of crap in life that come and you go, I don't, I don't think I can make this anymore. 
And so I just zipped my heart right up, like, never mind. I don't know if I like you anymore, God. And it was a place I had been known for my joy. Like, if you know me, you've been around me, I'm very giggly and bubbly, and it's part of who I am. And in that moment, it felt like it went dark. And it was, all I could do was the dark humor things, like, I'm playing my dead brother card, like the silly things that would just try to make me laugh. But through all of that, and just closing off my heart and going, I'll just take care of everybody else. I can't even engage right now with you, Lord. He never let go. And I would have friends calling and checking on me. Jordan is one. Consistently, my friends just sending me messages. How you doing, kid? And being able to connect in that was enough. Like God held on to me through people. And those roots were down deep even though it really felt like I was going to be ripped out of the ground and out of the hands of my savior, I never was. And one night I knew through all my friends, you know, coaxing and love, I knew I needed something. And I sat in uh, my bed, I was at my parents' house. I stayed there for a month to kind of help take care of everybody. And I was laying in the bed and I decided to go on one of my devotional apps and just look up a, a sermon on grief. And this woman was talking and she was speaking about the story of Lazarus. Now it's a story most of us have heard hundreds of times. I've heard it hundreds of times. If you don't know it, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha are brothers, brother and sisters. They're really good friends with Jesus and Lazarus gets really sick. They call Jesus to come. Jesus does come, but he comes a little late because Lazarus dies. So I had heard it hundreds of times, but I had never heard it with the new lens that I had. So I'm laying in the bed and I, I hear the words that Mary says when she runs out to meet Jesus. And she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And I just gasped and I threw my phone and I just <laughs> broke, right? Like I tried to hide my heart for so long and it just came rushing up because God was touching it. And I just broke and I cried and I was so mad and I felt like Jesus was sitting right there on the bed with me and don't be weird I don't mean like Jesus came and there was the no he like it just feeling right like it felt like Jesus was right there on the bed with me and it felt like he had his hand on my leg and he was crying with me and he said I know and it was comforting but I was still mad and I was like but but, Lord, I know how the Lazarus story ends. You raised Lazarus from the dead, and I just buried my brother yesterday. Like, he's not coming back. My brother didn't get to live again. And Jesus, it felt like, you know, he just kept his hand on my leg, and he was still crying. And he said, but he did. And I knew what he meant. I know, I know now and I can say it now with confidence. My brother is happily in heaven, dancing with Jesus and having a great time, not dealing with this mess we're all in. But I didn't care at that moment. And Jesus didn't try to fix my pain. He brought comfort to my pain. And he sat in it with me and he acknowledged it. Comfort says I see and I care. And he met me right there and he did give me his long view, right? Like that's God's long view. God has the eternal view. If we can get there, we're golden. I wish that I could say in that moment, it was like, oh, 
I know Jesus, he's in heaven, I'm fine. But I wasn't, I was like, I want him with me. I want him with his six-year-old daughter. I want him here. And he met me, and he held me. And it was a process from there. Mm. And it was, it's painful. Mm. Will you talk about the two wounds? Yes. Um, so I, I just recently started sharing this story, and I was a little nervous to share this story because it's recent. I mean, nine months ago is not a long time to lose um, one of your best friends. And um, as I was kind of processing, like, I don't know if I'm ready for this. Um, my friend Matt, who's over there, gave me some profound wisdom. Because I'm like, you shouldn't preach from the wounds that are still bleeding. And he said, but Tracy, there were two wounds that happened. One wound is I lost my brother. And that for sure still feels like it's bleeding sometimes. The, that kind of grief is not something, yes, there's stages of grief, but it doesn't look like that. Let me tell you, like, if you've gone through it, it's like a monster that tries to eat your life. There's no pretty linear anything. And that wound is still hurting. But the other wound was between me and my relationship with God and my trust with him and my heart's ability to, to connect with him again. And that one is healed. Hmm. That one is healed. And it was a process. It was not a pretty thing. It was a sing in the face of the pain thing where I would worship, worship is not just singing, right? Like worship is not singing. Yes, your body is part of it, but worship is about opening your heart. It actually is an evoking of feelings. And we don't sing because of what we're going through. We sing to get where we're going. And so whether your heart is on fire for God or under fire, the destination is always the same if we'll let it be. And it's closer to God, always. A heart burning with passion for him as you sing worship will move you closer to his presence. You can feel it. You guys felt that in this room, right? Like you can feel that. A heart under fire when you're worshiping and you, you can't even sing the words because all you can do is cry. But you have a heart going, I'm, 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 I'm willing, God, and I'm gonna give you these tears and lament will also move you closer to God in a way that is profound and even though I was like a bubbly person before, I was processing this with God this morning. It's not that my joy was superficial before. My joy was joy and it's just part of who I am and it's awesome, it's a beautiful gift from God. But there's something so much richer about my joy now in the face of that much pain to be able to laugh and to see the fullness of God's goodness in the most horrific of circumstances, it can never be stolen. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I think that's really important when we're talking about joy and lament mm -hmm. is to recognize that it is not only okay to lament, but encouraged. There's a book in scripture called Lamentations. Mm -hmm. The, the <laughs> lament, well, whatever. It's called Lamentations. <laughs> I was going to try to make a word pun. No, it's lame. Yeah. Uh, there's a whole book of Lamentations called Lamentations, and then also the book of Psalms is full of laments. There are uh, books in the Old Testament from the prophets that are full of lament. It is okay and right and good to lament, and it is okay and right and good to ask God what in the world and how are you, how are you going to show up for me? I, I'm 
I feel like my heart is all zipped up. I feel like I am dead inside. I need you. And sometimes there are moments of like, feeling that awakening of God's presence there. And sometimes that is a a really quick thing. And sometimes that's a really slow um, and long process. Um, But one of the things that Tracy and I had talked about was uh, we both love Brene Brown. Uh, Any Brene Brown fans in the room? I talk about Brene all the time. Yes. Brene Brown is a social scientist and researcher. She's been researching emotions for a couple of decades. And one of the things that she talks about is the extent to which you mute your sadness is the extent to which you're able to feel joy. And so if you take the spectrum of your emotions and you're like, no, I'm, I'm just gonna like bring up my baseline and just like erase all of these like negative things. If you bring this bottom one up, your top uh, capacity <laughs> to feel the joy emotions also shortens. And so then the wavelength of the spectrum of emotions that we allow ourselves to feel gets really small. But if we allow some of that depth of those difficult things, that also allows space for joy to come as well. So um, one encouragement that I have for you tonight is to know um, that and also that God is no stranger to pain. Mm-hmm. That God actually, if you think about it, if you think about uh, world religions very broadly, and you think about the Christian God, the God that we worship has wounds from hanging on a cross for you. And so God has wounds. (laughs) And because you're young adults, I know a lot of you have wounds too, Mm -hmm. whether you're like, yeah, that's a big one, or like, I don't really know if I have a big one, but like there's probably something that's kind of like hurt your spirit lately Mm -hmm. um, because we live in... (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. And so uh, I want you to know that God understands your pain on a personal level. God sees it. God is aware of it. God is not surprised by it. And it is okay for you to bring that to God because God gets it and knows it. Um, There's a couple things on the flip side I want to hit really fast, if that's okay. Or go for it. I want to piggyback what you're saying. Okay, yes. About just the pain and the difficulties in life. And engaging with God, asking him the questions, connecting to him. The question of God, how are you gonna show up for me is a hugely powerful question. And the question that got me stuck in the midst of that was the why question. Mm. And so um, I heard a teacher say this once and it made me so mad, but it proves to be true, that the why question is invalid and it makes you an invalid. And I'm like, ow. Um, But. Wait, will you say that again? Yes. The why question is invalid and it will make you an invalid. Like you won't be able to move because God's ways are not our ways and we can't lean on our own understanding. And I got so stuck in the why in the world, like, you know, any of the questions, any of the things that we're going through, the why question will leave you stuck. But engaging in the heart with God and your heart with God is so important. And In Isaiah 60 and 62, it's all over, actually. We were talking about this, and I just think it's so profound. Um, It talks about gates, and it's actually referring to kind of worship and how the gates are our mouth. And when we open the gates of praise, when we open our mouths, we build these gateways where people can come in. Like I said, it's one of our strongest evangelistic tools is just praising God in the midst of difficulty, having joy in the midst of suffering. But these gates in Revelation, the gates in heaven are made of pearls. And pearls are created through through irritation. So when we can open the gates of praise in the midst of 
horrific irritation in life and frustration, we create pathways of just welcoming more people to Jesus and bringing more of him into our own hearts. And it's vital for our walk, but we can't, we can't do it alone and we can't do it outside of that deep connection with God and allowing him to, coming with, to him with the big questions. Hmm. So some of the parts of this series that we've been doing about awakening have come from a book I've mentioned a couple times throughout the series called Dirty Glory. I know some of you in the, in the room have been reading this with me because I know you've been reading it because we've been reading it together. And uh, it's a book about prayer. Go where your best prayers take you. It's by Pete Greg. Greg. And uh, Pete Greg is actually the same guy who's doing the... Uh, ordinary prayer for normal people, whatever. Uh, it's, it's a great book. So Pete writes, um, when he's talking with God and uh, talking about prayer and how God sometimes just doesn't answer the way that Pete wants, he says, of course, this can be frustrating. Most of us would prefer God to speak in specifics, to tell us what to do, how to do it, and when to do it. <laughs> uh, but he generally, God generally refuses to micromanage our lives. When I say, where should I go? God says, I love you. I ask, what should I do? And God says, I'm proud of you. (laughs) I say, how should I handle this situation? And God says, let's hang out. Time and time again, God ignores my most pressing questions in order to answer the deepest longings of my heart. And so when we talk about lament Mm -hmm. and the tragedies of our life, Mm -hmm. and then the pathway to joy, I will not lie to you, we will not lie to you that that is, a, that is a difficult pathway that sometimes feels impossible. And if that's you tonight, if you feel like you're like, I'm at the beginning of that or I'm in the middle or I'm just slugging my way through it, there is, there is hope, but also it's okay to be where you are right now. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that you're lost and it doesn't mean that you will never find your way out of it. And sometimes the best thing you can do is be like, I'm just in it, and I'm not gonna try to ignore it. I'm not gonna try to pretend that it's not real. I'm just gonna kind of sit in it. And the world will tell you, like, pull yourself by, up by your bootstraps or just, like, put on a happy face. Make, no one wants to deal with that because you're, like, being a Debbie Downer. No, I want you to know it's okay for you to just sit in that for a moment. And, and we would love to come alongside of you. And so if that's you, please reach out. Uh, we'd love to have a conversation and hear what's going on for you. Yeah. The, those moments in life where you find yourself wrestling, like wrestling with God. I, I mean, I went all the way to, I don't even know if you're real, right? Like it, those mo- some moments in life come and they just sweep you off your feet where you're like, uh, I don't even know where to start right now. But it's totally okay to wrestle with God. Like the story of Jacob wrestling with God. Jacob wrestled. And he would not let go. He said, I won't let go until you give me a new name. Now, that's a weird thing to say, right? That doesn't feel like it makes sense. But the deeper meaning is, I won't let go until you tell me who I am. Like, our identity comes from our intimacy with God. I believe it's a direct reflection of that. We're meant to be the reflection of God to this planet. And we don't truly know who we are until we know whose we are. And when we're wrestling with, I don't know who you are, or if you're good or safe, we need to hold on and he'll always hold on to us. But hold on as we learn those things. Like it's welcome from God. And, and worshiping in the face of the pain and going, okay, God, I am holding on is not denying the pain. 
Like, I wanna make that really clear because there's moments where you're like, I mean, if I stand and I'm worshiping, people will think I'm okay and I'm not okay. And it's like, that's not what that means. Like, it never denies the pain. It just denies the power of the pain over God, right? Like, God is bigger. It denies it a place of influence in my heart. That pain is there. But what am I gonna choose to allow to influence me? The size of this pain or the size of my God? Do you want to loop back to anything about your brother and your process? Um, Is there any stone unturned? Well, so many. Um, But the process was lengthy. I mean, Jesus met me right there in that moment, and it was beautiful. But it was still just relentless struggle to, I don't know if I believe it. And then moments with beautiful friends who would come alongside and remind me of truth. And one of the vital things for me was consistently soaking in God's truth because the lies will come no matter what you're going through. If you're unemployed, if you had a heartbreak, if someone died, if you lost your job, like whatever it is, the the enemy will come and he will try to tell you all sorts of things about it. And it's very easy to go down those paths because the pain is so big. So soaking in God's truth, like I would, I would listen to the Bible while I was falling asleep. I consistently reached out, like reach out to people for real, reach out. I'm not doing well. I'm not going to lie. There were lots of cuss words like that, like this just, and I would reach out to friends like, this is how I'm feeling, bleep, bleep, bleep. And they loved me through it. Like grief and pain is messy. Get you some people who don't mind your messy. It's a big deal. And I wrestled and I fought and uh, Psalm 91 was a huge breaking point in my heart of of trusting God again. Um, Jesus saying, take heart, you know, in this world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. These things we cling to in the midst of it. And now I would say my relationship with God is stronger and I can talk about him and smile and God brings healing, and it doesn't mean the pain's not there. This morning, I was bawling on my way to work. It doesn't mean you're over the pain. It just means that um, you and God are good. Mm. Me and God are good. Mm. Mm-hmm. So as the band comes back up, we have something we want to do to close, to just kind of get quiet for a moment. And wherever you are at, maybe in resonating with pain or lament or joy or wherever you might be today, um, we have a couple things that I invite you to just think about. And one of the verses um, about Jesus and joy that we can find in scripture is in the book of First Peter. Um, this letter was from Peter to um, a church. And and he writes about trust and joy. And Peter writes, you love Jesus, even him, meaning Jesus, you love Jesus even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious inexpressible joy. And so there is a relationship sometimes between trust and joy and, and finding ways to trust or to, to fight for trust and knowing that one of the things often on the other side of trust can be joy. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I invite you to, um, if you want to close your eyes, you can close your eyes. If you want to keep your eyes open, you can keep your eyes open. If you want to um, grab your phone and open a note without checking all the other notifications on your phone, um, or if you want to leave your phone in your pocket or wherever, um, if you just, this is uh, just a couple minutes for you to get quiet. 
And so I invite you, um, I'm gonna ask a couple questions or prompts just for you to think through, and then you can just be silent for 15 seconds, it won't be long, um, and just see if anything comes to mind. And maybe you're like, oh my gosh, I'm, I have like these things that are just kind of flooding my mind and they feel like they're resonating. That's awesome, that's great. If you're like, I'm thinking about refrigerators. <laughs> That's fine too. Uh, we just want to create space and just see what God will do with it. So I invite you to kind of uh, pray to pray with me and just kind of enter this time together. So God, we thank you for your presence here. We thank you for your love for us. And we thank you for the ways that you awaken us to you, regardless of this state that we might be in. And so um, in the quietness of our hearts, God, um, Holy Spirit, Jesus, we invite you to just be present with us. We know that you are present with us in this space. We ask that we'd be able to feel you in some way or uh, hear you in the quietness of our heart. And so God, um, we, we'd ask you to be kind to us and to love us and to just illuminate a couple things to us. So uh, Revive, I invite you to think about two questions. Today, where in your day did you feel the most amount of joy? And where today did you feel the least amount of joy? And just take a moment to notice those things. Second question. I invite you to think through and ask God to illuminate something or somebody to you. Is there anyone in my life that is hurting right now? Is there anybody that's struggling that I know? And think about them and consider how could I be present with them this week? God, as we name these people and these places that need some comfort and some love, maybe that's us, maybe that's someone that we know at work or in our family or on a team or wherever it might be. God, as we think of these people and these places that need your healing and your joy, we ask that your presence would pour over them. And then Jesus, we yield ourselves to you. We say yes to your love. And as we open ourselves to your love and being loved by you, God, we ask that your love would overflow, overflow through us. <laughs> overflow. Don't flow. Don't, don't flew over. <laughs> God, we ask that your love would flow through us to other people, whether or not we know that they are hurting. God, we ask that we would become a people that are known by the joy that you give us by the compassion that we have, by the empathy that we have, by the, by the fact that we're able to step into somebody else's experience and have some empathy and say, ah, yes, I see what you are experiencing. Yeah, that's hard. God, we ask that you'd give us eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart that cares. And God, for anybody in the room or who's hearing my voice that is really just going through the thick of it, God, I ask that you would show up to them and show them the marks in your hands and the wound in your side. God, I ask that you would say to them, I see you. I've got them too. 
I know what it's like. Let me just be here with you. Let me love you. Let me give you a hug. Let me sit with you. You can put your head on my shoulder. You can just sit here, whatever you need, I'm here. God, we ask that your joy would come because it is a gift of your spirit when it is present with us. May we be known as a people of your joy, a joy that is defiant in the face of the brokenness of this world. God, may we be a people that say, nevertheless, joy. We ask that you'd give us that gift tonight. We love you. And now as we worship, God, we ask that you would um, help us to think about the gates that come when we praise you, when we acknowledge your power and your strength and your glory and your beauty and your wisdom and your wonder and your love and all the things that make you, you. God, help us to see you and praise you a little bit more fully or a little bit more easy tonight. We love you. We say all these things in Jesus' name because we know that you hear us. And all God's kids said, amen. Amen. Let's stand and worship. Thanks for listening, everyone. Revive West Des Moines happens every Thursday night at Hope in West Des Moines, and we'd love to connect with you on social media. So find us and let us know where you're listening from. And whenever you're in town, we would love to have you come to Revive and join us live. Peace out, Scouts.